So there was a very wealthy, accomplished, successful man who really, really loved sacred and, and classical music. In fact, uh, he would make a point of it that every year when, when tickets would go on sale at the local orchestra in, in the venue that, uh, where the symphony played, he would buy season tickets. In fact, he had enough wealth available that he would buy box seats to attend those events and bring family and friends whenever he had opportunity. Uh, he loved, loved the symphony. But as time went on, he also desired and had this deep longing to be part of the symphony beyond just supporting it financially. And then he had an idea. One day he set up a meeting with the conductor and, and explained when he understood the orchestra and was going through a, kind of a, a difficult time financially, he explained that he had the means in which to really help the orchestra get to new levels and even build a new venue. And he was willing to, to uh, give a gift of millions and millions of dollars. But it had a condition attached to it. He said to the conductor, I've had this long, lifelong dream to play in an orchestra. I'm willing to give this gift if you're willing to let me be part of the orchestra. And the conductor laughed and says, well, are you, even, are you one who plays an instrument? He's like, no, I've never played anything. But I'm telling you, I won't cause a distraction. I won't do any of that. All I ask is, let me sit as part of the orchestra and hold an instrument and be part of it. And, and you know what the, the conductor said, of course. Absolutely, positively, gift accepted, right? And uh, kind of strange parameters, but this man became part of the orchestra. Um, now, I don't remember exactly what instrument he played, whether it was a violin or whether it was a flute. And the more I think about it, it probably was a flute or some type of instrument of that sort uh, where he could truly sit in the section of flute players and put his lips up to the flute and move his fingers but not actually blow any wind in order to make the sound of any sort. And he was able, over time, to really become part of the orchestra, and no one really knew the difference. Pretty impressive. In fact, that, uh, that scheme went on for quite a while, until one day, the conductor was offered a position at a, another major city and moved away, and, and a new conductor came to town and made the announcement that all of those who had been part of the orchestra would need to try out and have an audition once again to be part of the orchestra. A man delayed the audition. He then set up the audition, but then canceled the, the audition and did this several times until finally he realized he needed to face the new conductor. And so he sat down for his audition, and uh, the conductor put music in front of him on the music stand and says, let's test your, your sight-reading skills. Show me what you can do. And the man put the flute up to his, and he had to look at the conductor and say, well, he had to face the music. Um, I've heard it says that's one possible place where that phrase came from. There's some other origins to that phrase, face the music. But that's one of them I've heard used occasionally. To face the music. To face the reality of who we really are. That the charade is over, we can't hide, you can't pretend anymore. You know, that is actually... The kind of thing we have going on in our gospel reading today. As we sit at the feet of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount where, where people had gathered there and Jesus shares these insightful words and some of them are rather difficult, to be honest. 
Pastor Steve has addressed that a little bit along the way. These are hard sayings, and some of them strike really close to the heart in ways that may make us feel even uncomfortable because they get to the core of our motivations, they get to the core of what drives us, and if it's not real, and if it's a charade, God's word starts to reveal that. I found this kind of an interesting quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He's a Presbyterian preacher and writer. He wrote a commentary, Studies in the Sermon on the Mount, one of commentaries I've been reading in connection to this. And he says this about this section of scripture in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus talks about what it means to be one who is a hypocrite or one who's going through the motions. He says, we may as well realize at the outset that this chapter 6 is again a very searching one. Indeed, we can go further and say that it is a very painful one. I sometimes think that it is one of the most uncomfortable chapters to read in the entire scriptures. It probes and examines and holds a mirror up before us and it will not allow us to escape. There's no chapter which is more calculated to promote self-humbling and humiliation than this particular one. But thank God for it. Notice what he says there. But thank God for this. And here's a chapter that brings us face to face with ourselves and enables us to see ourselves exactly as we are. But I repeat, thank God for it. Because it is only the man who has truly seen himself for what he is who is likely to come nearer to Jesus, to seek to be filled with the Spirit of God, who alone can burn out of him the vestiges of self and everything that tends to mar his Christian life. You know what he's getting at is difficult to read when we really let it probe our hearts, but powerful, and we can praise God for it. What am I talking about? Well, let's get into the text. As we turn to Matthew chapter 6, and what Jesus says as he continues his Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Instead, when you give, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love standing on the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And He goes on to share the Lord's Prayer and talk about fasting. And, and there is so much in this section of the Word. But really, to come back, it says <laughs> there's no masking motives in this text. Because Jesus cuts to the heart of asking the question why do we do what we do? When it comes to following our Savior Jesus. What is our motivation for it? Why do we serve? Why do we give? Why do we pray? I had this happen some years ago. It was not at this congregation. This has not happened here at St. John, but I had a former congregation. I had somebody sit down with me. They wanted to give a huge gift to the ministry. 
I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Praise God. The Lord is truly leading you in this, I, I shared with them. And, and they said, well, there is one condition, Pastor. I, uh, our family, if, in order to give this gift, we really would like a, a plaque uh, to designate that we'd given the gift. And, and I had to just shake my head. I said, we don't do that. They're like, well, you've got to understand, we're, we're not really willing to give the gift unless there's a plaque to go with it. I said, you, you understand, it, if it's about you being honored because of that gift, I, biblically, I, I'm not sure that's a very good idea. We, we don't do that. We don't put plaques on everything. Or I'll give you another, and you know what, we didn't accept the gift. <laughs> that was hard. <laughs> but the motivation, I said, you've got to pray about that. I said, if that's your motivation to be recognized among others, really need you to probe God's word in your heart on that. If that's your motivation, you need to think about that. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll get, uh, I remember some years ago, we got a, a ministry was doing some, some, some work, and they, um, they said, if, if your congregation gives this amount, uh, your congregation will get a plaque recognizing that your congregation did this. And I I just smile like I, I think we'd look for a different mission partner then because if that's the goal, that we would get noticed or dignified because we give, well, Jesus says you then re- received all that you got coming right there. <laughs> if our motivation is to be noticed, to feel important, if our, our motivation is that people would take notice like, wow, you're really special, you're really great, how wonderful, how committed you are to Jesus because you did this. It can happen in a lot of different areas. I think as a pastor, how it can happen when somebody says, oh, pastor, you're such a great prayer. And like, oh, thank you. Wow, I, wow, I, and, and you know what can happen is it starts to work on your head. You, you start to say, how, how can I pray in a way that someone might like the way I'm praying? You, you see where I'm going with this? Where something that is meant to be holy and good and, and right in, in God's eyes and something important is prayer or giving and that the evil one can twist that and work with our our self-esteem and and emptiness to try and build a desire for others to lift us up or build us up sometimes it can be why people step forward to serve and get involved and maybe it's not that way at first but the longer they're involved the more they get really entrenched in it and, and it becomes less about Jesus and becomes more about themselves happens all the time and often when, when our, 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 our reputation, we say, well, this is, this is me, this represents me, how can we change that? And yet, when it becomes more about us than it becomes about God, where are we at? As we give, as we serve, as we share, as we pray, is it possible that it, it becomes more about us than about God? How about for you today? I thought about just yesterday. Here's a great example of this. Those of you who uh, use social media, something like Facebook, um, the mission team, the young people, they gathered early morning yesterday and uh, got to take a picture. Of, and two of my daughters are in that group and um, prayed them off and, and they drove away. And I'm in the parking lot. I've got this picture of the group. And, and you know what? The first thing I did is I, I posted it. I'm like, what a great thing. The Lord be praised. God be honored in this, and I, I posted it on Facebook, and I, I simply said, so excited for my daughters, Abby and Katie, they're going on this mission trip, and, and uh, pray for them this week, and you know, it was one of those posts to God be praised, and, and lift that up, that Lord is moving among us, and as the day went on, here's what happened. Um, 
as it does in Facebook and other things, is my phone would give notices as people were liking that post, right? And and these likes are coming up, and through the course of the day, I'm like, oh, wow, oh, a fellow pastor liked that post. That's cool. And, well, I wonder if there's anything like that going on at his church. And, and well, what other pastor friends have been liking that post? And you see where this is going. Like, well, well how come that person didn't like it? And, and what has just happened? Something that's about God being praised. And I'm starting to say, wow, I wonder if they think I'm a better parent because my kids are doing a mission trip. I wonder if they think our church is cooler than their church because... Our kids are, do you see where, how quickly things can turn to being about us rather than about God? Do any of you find this confusing at all? And, and, you know, it could be easy to say, well, I'm so glad I'm not like that, Pastor. And, man, I just got really lonely all of a sudden. (laughs) I, I think of, you know, the Pharisee that Jesus talks about who's on the street corner praying, saying, I am so grateful to you, Lord God, that I'm not like that sinner over there. And Jesus contrasts that to the tax collector who's pouring his heart and soul out in shame and guilt and humbling himself before the Lord. And the Pharisee says, I'm so thankful that I'm not like others who struggle in this way. And yet pride and selfishness is so much a part of that prayer. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the one who's humble, the one who's broken, the one who realizes who they are. Those are the prayers God hears. Jesus teaches us about that reality today, and there's no hiding from it. What motivates us in our Christian life today? Now, this is confusing, though, because we've got to be honest, just some verses later, and, and this summer as we began, right after the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, as Wilson, Steve Wilson shared this message, that Jesus says, you know, let's your good deeds show before people so that they might glorify your Father in heaven. You know, they be out there with your faith. Live it out. You know, let people see who you are and what you do. And, and it could be kind of confusing because it could seem as if Jesus is now actually contradicting that by saying, no, don't let your left hand even know what your right hand is doing when you give or don't even pray out loud. Just go into a closet without windows and pray there. Let it be all a secret. That It seems like contradictory in some ways, right? Unless we realize who gets the glory. Because what did Jesus say earlier in in Matthew 5? He says, you know, let let people see your great deeds so that God might be praised. In this case, it's very clear that by what Jesus points out, that in the praying and in the giving and in the fasting and, and everything in between, what Jesus is saying is, It's done in such a way that God doesn't get the praise. Rather, that person seeks to get the praise. Notice the difference. And often in discernment, we know the difference. Not only in ourselves, but we know the difference in others. Maybe not at first. We are pretty good at fooling people. But there's a time that comes where that reality sets in where you can know, yeah, this isn't real. It's not true. Because it exists from a vacuum a longing to be noticed by other people. A lot of people live with that. They live their lives in order to be noticed with the hope that they'll get the attaboys and the accolades and and that people will notice them. But where does that come from? Because that's really the deficiency in in our life with Jesus. If, If we're living our lives empty and trying to be fed by what people think of us, 
But what's missing? I love what David reflects on in Psalm 139, our first reading today. He says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. David recognizes that God knows him and knows everything about him. And to go to the detail of he knows when we're sitting, he knows when we stand up, he knows when we're sleeping, he even knows our thoughts. And, and I've always thought this, you know my thoughts from afar, or perceive my thoughts from afar. I've always thought of that, well, is this picture that God is distant, and, and, and David says, you even know my thoughts, though you're far away, but it's occurred to me. And reading this again, it's actually not about that, because God is showing us he's very near us. But when our thoughts are far from him, our thoughts of selfishness, our thoughts of insecurity, our thoughts in wanting to be filled by the accolades of others and being noticed, that even there our God is present. And a God who reminds us that if we're longing for attention, if we're longing to be noticed, who greater to be noticed by than Almighty God himself? who knows everything about you and is your biggest fan, a God who follows you, a God who is with you at all times, and even in your brokenness and ugliness and shamefulness and guilt, our God enters even there and is close to us, close enough to even face our own terrible music. Because that's really what he does in going the way of a cross, isn't it? A God who is so near and is so loving and so supporting that he faces our own ugly music for us. Goes that way the cross in our place to give us a song of joy today. To live for him. Not to get accolades from other people, but to know I could never be loved more, I could never be noticed more, I could never be more appreciated than my God has shown me in my Savior Jesus who has come near to me to say that I matter to him and that my life now is lived not in order to try and gain his love or try to gain the appreciation of others. No, that I give generously and boldly and it's between me and the Lord, but I do it boldly because I know my God has given to me all that I could ever imagine. I serve faithfully, and I serve diligently, I serve unconditionally, I make a difference in Jesus' name, not to be noticed for it, but rather because my Savior has noticed me and served me first. I pray, but I pray not to be noticed. I pray because my God has called me to an amazing relationship with him, and he's spoken his words into my life, and I'm made known, and how can I not help but respond? in my life, and my prayer life with him. Now God has called us into an amazing adventure with him. And the music is sweet, powerful, and real in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the privilege and the honor to be in your presence today. We thank you that we need not live a life of a charade going through the motions of our faith. To walk through life and and brag about what we've become or to go through the motions just simply to be noticed by others. Lord, you remind us if that's our motivation, that's all there is. But rather, the more we experience a fullness in you, a God who has come near to fill us with your spirit and your love and that grace 
that flows from a cross where you face our shameful music for us. We praise you today, Jesus, that you changed that song to one that is genuine, one that is real, one that flows from a fullness in your presence. That you might get the praise, that you might get the glory in all things and in all ways. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.